Hello everyone, welcome back to my solo road. This is Sydney, it's my podcast, coming to you from the land of Bend, Oregon, where there is no clean air anywhere in sight and it's super difficult to breathe. This is the first time in three years that I have called my parents and been like, hi, it's not that fun to live in a van right now. I've been through a million things in the last few years that have kind of tested whether or not I truly loved van life and I've just never... I've never really questioned it. I've always been like, yeah, this is for me. Love this. And while I'm not doubting this being for me, it just is like, it sucks. You live in a van because you want to be outside and spend time in nature and go to dog parks and the beach and this and that or do whatever. And like camping is not fun. I wake up in the middle of the night with a headache. And obviously a huge giant component of living in a van is the fact that I can just get in it and leave and go find cleaner air. However, I am working on my van right now. Nothing is wrong with it. It's thriving. We are thriving. It's doing fine. But I found a builder who was willing to work with me. I am going to do some work on social media for him, not in terms of like posting or like marketing him, if you will, but I'm going to do some back-end stuff for their social media and work for him. And he is going to help me with my van and give me a really good deal on that. And so I'm getting new countertops and we're getting rid of the induction stove. My plumbing has been messed up for a good long second now. And so we kind of figured out this really good tradesies and I just kind of don't want to burn that opportunity. Obviously, if I think that it's getting unsafe for me or the dogs, then I am bouncing out of here because nothing is worth that. But it just, it's, it gets way better and then it gets worse and then it gets way better and then it gets worse. So just kind of feeling it out for a couple of days. And if it stays like this for much longer, I will have to leave and then just come back and hope that he still has time to kind of work with me and do what we've been talking about. Not to mention, I also have like five packages that are four brands that I'm actually working with this month. And as easy as it sounds to be like, yeah, just reroute that just means my income would be pushed back, you know, two to four weeks. And that sucks. Like no one wants to not be making money. But anyway, I just kind of wanted to give you guys a heads up on what's going on and everything because this is the first episode I've recorded since being in Bend, Oregon and all of the wildfire stuff happening. Also, very grateful. Like I have a home that is on wheels and I can leave and do all of these things because people are literally losing their homes and, you know, states are on actual fire. California, Oregon, and Washington are not doing well right now. And so on the grand scheme of things, my situation is minuscule, but inconvenient and worth talking about on the podcast. So coffee-wise, bags are ordered. It's a 20-day waiting period. Some of them are going to be shipped to me so I can give some to friends, do a little giveaway, have some fun for a week or two, and then we are officially launching. So I'm sorry that it's taken so long. I never had that intention, but it has nothing to do with dollop. Like, they have been phenomenal to work with. This is kind of standard timeline, and I just didn't know that, but it is in the works. We're still getting there. Like I said, 20-day waiting period for the bags to come in. And then just like a week or two for me to be able to kind of take pictures and show you guys and do fun things. Okay, so 
the, our guest for today is Christian, a different Christian than I had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. A few weeks ago, we had Christian Schaefer, who is uh, a solo female on the road. And now I have my good friend, Christian, who is a solo male and currently building out his second Ford Econoline. So I do want to talk a little bit about his van builds, how they're different, because they're not just like the super standard Promaster Sprinter Transit that we always are seeing and talking about. He has a Ford Econoline which is also a much, much more budget friendly. And he also works at REI, the like outdoor store, which makes him more location dependent than a lot of people on the road. And so I think it's just really interesting to get a perspective of someone who is building his remote work, but also simultaneously doing full-time REI and living van life in the meantime. So you don't have to wait to live van life until you're earning remote income. But we will talk all about that. I met Christian in San Diego at the very beginning of this year, 2020, and we've just been good friends ever since. He is one of the sweetest, kindest people I've ever known in my life, and I'm super excited for you guys to get to meet him. So let's chat a little bit about BetterHelp first, and then I will have Christian come into the van, and we can talk to him. So... As you all know, I am a big advocate of better help. I still am with my therapist, Kayla, have been for a very long time. It's an online counseling platform, very much perfect for people on the road. Obviously, if we are constantly changing locations, it's made it so much easier for me to stick with the same therapist. And I had to leave a therapist in Indiana a long time ago, and I just wasn't really sure how I was going to make it work on the road. Enter BetterHelp. It's just been a phenomenal experience for me so far. I have a lot of friends who have signed up with BetterHelp as well, and they have all had a tremendous experience. Katie literally called me yesterday, like, bragging about how much she loves her therapist. So that always makes me super happy. I find it very important to prioritize your mental health always. So if you would like to join over a million people in doing so, you can go into betterhelp.com slash divine. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash divine and use code divine for 10% off. Let's meet Christian. Hello, Christian. Hello, Sydney. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? I'm wonderful. This is the first podcast in like five weeks or something that I am doing in person. This is like oh, the OG method. And stuff. Yeah, I keep doing it on like online, which is just interesting. And with people that I don't really know that well, as well. So you aren't really able to like get comfortable with them. Well, yeah, I'm not like sitting on my bed with them, you That's know? Good. Okay, so we're at our friend Dave's van shop. In Bend, Oregon. Christian's building out his second van here at the shop. How long are you planning on that taking? I mean, me and you talked about not setting deadlines. However, if I did have to set a deadline, I'm shooting for before winter. So we'll probably say like two months, I think I can get it done in. Are you are you on timeline as of now yes, without as, setting as a long deadline? As there's no like huge uh, delays on like shipping stuff because I know certain I know yeah. like fans are hard to get right now and stuff. Luckily, Dave has fans already in yeah, stock. Yeah, our friend shop. Dave has like six fans yeah. just sitting on a counter. So I don't have to worry about that. But yeah, I think I could definitely do it in two months as long as Sweet. it. I mean, depending on how much how much I get scheduled at work now that I'm working up here. Love that. How long did you live in that other van? I owned it for a year. I lived in it for like eight months. Okay. Yeah. And so now. What kind of van are you building? <laughs> last, last van was a 1998 Ford E250. Okay. 5.4 liter V8. And this one is a 2000 Ford E350. So uh, a little bit bigger towing capacity. And then it's also a 5.4 liter V8. So same engine as my last one. 
Uh, I wanted to go diesel, but they're kind of hard to find in Southern California. So sticking with the gas engine. But yeah, and this one's also an extended. So that's the main reason. And that's the main difference. And it is just, it's longer than my last one. And it's a passenger van, so it has a lot of windows. And it's way taller. Yeah, so yeah, that's the first thing I did was got a two-foot fiberglass shell on top from Fiberine in there in Long Beach. They did my my shell on my van, and that was like... I was really impressed, actually. It took them like four hours to cut off my entire roof of my Shut old up. van and put the new fiberglass shell on. And they Ubered me to downtown Long Beach and let me hang out there all day, and then Ubered me back when it was done, and it was like four hours. And but- what was the brand of that? Fibrine. And they're, they're, I think they're the only company on the West Coast that does it. It used to be like really popular for to have like the fiberglass shells. But once the Sprinters and Transits and Promasters came out, like most people would just buy a high top van. Right. So a lot of companies stopped making them. So there's literally only like one company on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. So yeah. They, they definitely cost a lot more than they used to because it's kind of like a monopoly. You either you have right. these two options and that's it. But it wasn't that bad. And it, it cost still less than it would have for me to buy like a, a transit or a sprinter with the same miles. And I like it because it's different. I like right. it's a little unique. Yeah, I mentioned, I think that during the intro, just the fact that it's way more budget friendly. Like right now, we, you just see so much of the sprinter, transit, yeah. promaster, like dominating kind of social media wise, which yeah. gives the illusion that's all that's on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Why did you choose the one that you did? Mostly budget. Also, just the like abundance of aftermarket parts, considering yeah. that this van's been, you know, 20, 30, 40 years now this fan's been around, so there's just a whole lot more aftermarket parts and stuff. I wanted to go with American just for any mechanical issues on the road. I think it'd be a lot easier. You know, obviously, it's a lot easier to find a mechanic that can work on an American car versus, like, a European car, like a Sprinter or something like that, so. Yeah. This family does not like sprinters. (laughs) We don't do sprinters here. One less sprinter. Yeah. Sprinters, not welcome. Kidding. Yeah. So People and sprinters, listen. Budget. um, Do you mind saying how much you paid for yours? Yeah. No, the... I can't remember the first van. I think the first one was like 5,000 something. Mm-hmm. Th- this van was uh, 6,500 and it only had 69,000 miles. So that's what I was nice. really about. One owner. So I... it was $6,000 essentially yeah. with the exact same amount of miles that my transit had, but my transit was 24,000. So yeah. like that's, that's what I'm trying to convey to them is that yeah. like, I mean, you can really, $6,000 is like a very standard car. Yeah, you like know what I mean? A lot of people's first cars are, you know, in that price range, under 10,000 right. 10, usually. So. Right. Which is just very doable. Yeah, if you're someone that like has a car but wants to get a van, depending on what car it is, you could probably sell it for about six thousand dollars, and then you got you got your van at least. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, what are you going to do differently in the build? Quite a bit. I'm doing a bench seat with a drop down table for a bed, as opposed to my last build that had the fixed bed. Which is interesting because I've talked about how I prefer yeah. the vice versa. And I talked to a lot of people before I made that decision because I know a lot of people are like, oh, I have the bench seats with the push down table and I never change it. Like you usually mm-hmm. have it set up in bed. But Dave had, and his last build had the bench seats and bed and he every day would transfer it back from, from bed to table. And mm-hmm. I know he's very OC or very meticulous and OCD like I am. So mm-hmm. I, I, know, I know if he has no issue doing it, I figured I probably wouldn't have any issue converting it back and forth on a yeah. day basis. Yeah, you're like a more particular, routined person. Exactly. I, I like I wake up on my last van and I you know make my bed perfect every morning. So it's, it, yeah. honestly, I think it'd be easier <laughs> than making my my bed on my last van just because I don't have to deal about like like sheets and stuff. I'm usually just gonna right. with this new bill. I probably just throw down some blankets and stuff at night. Right. Throw yeah. Them together. Much different than me. I'm pretty lazy. <laughs> When it comes to that kind of stuff. Okay, so we're going to rewind just a little bit. Learn more about Christian. Mm. Really get to the roots of Christian. <laughs> okay, where did you grow up primarily? And you, I know you kind of... Yeah, I moved... moved got a story. Grew up in a military family, so moved around a lot. 
I lived the longest. I've lived somewhere with San Diego, though. That's where I just moved from. And mm-hmm. I was there for eight years. Where in San Diego? I had mostly Encinitas, but my parents lived in Escondido, which is about 15 minutes inland. Mm-hmm. I went to school in Rancho Penasquitos, which was about 15 minutes inland from the beach as well, just further south. But I spent most of my time in Encinitas as far as work and hanging out with friends and surfing and stuff. That's where I'd always go. Yeah, we met in Encinitas. So there's a beach. I've said it on the podcast before. <laughs> I think Jared, like, roasted me because I said it. Moonlight. Yeah. Because, like... I don't know. Why did he roast you? Because, like, our weird group of friends is, like, you can't tell anybody. And it's, like, it's literally a public big beach. Yeah, no, it's, it's covered with vans. Speaking right. But you haven't been there since last summer, but right before I left, it is packed. Like, I don't know if it's because of COVID or if it's just because it's the heat wave, but yeah. there's not a single parking spot any day of the week inside that parking lot anymore. Dang. And when we would go, I mean, you remember Yeah, the whole like, back half. Yeah, it was we, all the spots. we were, like, exactly. the crew of the back half. Yeah. It was like, if like you know in Greece, how it's, like, the squad? <laughs> that was us. We were literally all, like, our just a row of all of our vans. Uh, me, Christian, Alexa, who's been on the podcast, Jared, who's been on the podcast, Dave, Shane, who else? Um, if I'm forgetting someone, so sorry. Yeah, it's about everyone. I think it was pretty much everyone. Oh, yeah. Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, we ruled. And funny enough, I, <laughs> I, I, I like never went to Moonlight that often when I was in Encinitas. I always went to a beach further south, Swamis. I don't know if you ever went there. Oh, yeah. That's where I'd usually park and hang out. But then one day there was no parking spots because it's a much smaller lot. So I was like, oh, this, I guess I'll just go to Moonlight. And that's when I met Jared that one day. And then now I know all of you guys. And then everything just bloomed yeah. from there. Okay, I'm sorry. So where else kind of did you grow up? I know you said predominantly yeah. there. Where did you? I was born in Virginia Beach. Oh, did you say that? No, I don't oh, think I was gonna so. I, I only lived there. For, I only lived there for one year, so I don't remember Virginia Beach at all. Um, but then I moved to Puerto Rico. I lived in Puerto Rico for five or six years. I did. I went to pre-K there, but I didn't really start any schooling there. Mm-hmm. After Puerto Rico, I moved to Pittsburgh. I only lived in Pittsburgh for one year. That was kindergarten, and then all of grade school up until seventh grade was back in Virginia. Further inland in uh, Fredericksburg is what it's called. Interesting. So I went to all the way up until seventh grade there. And then in eighth grade is when I moved to San Diego and did all of, all of middle school, rest of middle school and all of high school in San Diego. Nice. Nomadic for life. I know, right? I think that, I think, yeah, growing up in a military family, I think is a big reason why not only I like traveling, but I feel like I'm able to travel without getting like homesick. I find I'm like a little more adaptable just from having to move around so much and get thrown in these new situations. Yeah. I think that definitely helped me a lot. Yeah, that's definitely like an now. easier transition. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so when did you find van life and how? From, if I, I can't remember the exact moment that I knew I wanted a van, but I know like the yeah. first time like I was like introduced to van life was in high school. I think it was junior, senior year. I was going to Joshua Tree to, for the first time with a group of friends Mm-hmm. And one of my friends had a super old, like, refurbished VW bus. And, like, I just remember taking that, like, driving from San Diego to Joshua Tree. Like, They're a champ for taking that to Joshua dude, Tree. <laughs> it, was, it was quite the adventure. The first stop we made, the van wouldn't start at the gas station. And it's before we even got to Joshua Tree. And he was, like, about to call AAA. Oh, uh, yeah. But it was a manual. So I, like, I was like, dude, we can just, we can push start it. So we were in the back of the parking lot oh. of the gas station, all pushing his van. Oh, my and God. And then he had to run into the driver's seat and jump in and pop it in gear but it worked and it, it made what a memory a story, right exactly yeah so yeah that was just like first time being in a van that had like tables and a seat and like it was just so, a livable yeah it was van. so interesting to me and so cool that we were able to like cruise down the highway or cr- cruise through joshua tree just at the table windows down mm-hmm. like I don't know, just, like, I was instantly, like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, I want to get a van. Yeah. But it wasn't until after graduating that I actually, like, purchased that first van. I mean, that was last year, so a couple years after 
high school three or four years after I graduated that I actually bought the van. Yeah. But I was interested in van life for quite some time before I pulled the trigger. Just a lot of like second guessing. Yeah. I think, I think also being like having the exposure on the West coast, like it's not yeah. as if you know what I mean? Like telling people or telling your friends, like your friends are probably like, Oh yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Whereas like me in Indiana, I was like, I think I'm going to live in a van. And all yeah. of my friends were like, Whoa, Sydney, There's what are you talking still about? still people like that, but yeah, definitely not as much. Like I remember when I told my managers at my old job, they were all like, Oh, like, what, like, why don't you just live at your parents' house? Like, I'm like, no, you right. don't get it. It's not that, like, I can't afford my apartment. It's like, I don't want to live in the apartment anymore. Like, I want to live in the van. Right. And they kind of didn't get it. But, like, yeah, it's so big on the West Coast. I mean, yeah. in Encinitas, I mean, you know, there's vans everywhere. So. Yeah, for sure. It's okay. definitely more popular there. So, you mentioned being from a military family. Yes. I get asked all the time if my parents are supportive. And I have, like, pretty, like... Basic, not basic parents. That sounds condescending. That's not at all what I mean. But you know, like firefighter retail. I just feel like military is on a whole other level yeah. in terms of like expectations. Potentially, yeah. that's kind of stereotype. Um, but I'm saying this because I know you, and I yeah. already know this story. But yeah, how do your parents feel about you living in a van? Uh, you're the youngest, yeah. right? Yeah, I am the youngest. I think yeah, from an early age, I think my parents kind of knew that like I was never one to look for like their approval for anything. I kind of. If I set my mind to something that I want to do, that I'm going to do it, whether they give me approval or not. So they are well aware that that's the kind of person I am. So I think they're basically just pretty supportive with everything I do because they know I'm going to do it either way, whether they are or mm-hmm. not supportive. I don't think me living in a van would be like their first choice for me. But <laughs> like I said, they know there's not really much they can do to change that. So for the most part, yeah, they're pretty support- supportive of it. Yeah, they've never like tried to get me out of the van life or anything because right. I think they're pretty they're pretty aware that I'm going to do Yeah, that's what I've said about my parents, too. My parents are like, we can either be supportive parents and you do it, or we can be unsupportive parents and you also still do it. Like That's the exact same boat I think my parents are in. Yeah, you kind of have no choice, I guess, at that point. And so you were working at the time when you first moved into your first van. Yeah. What were you doing then? I was a manager at a restaurant. I was a bar manager at a restaurant. And... Wasn't like the best job at all. Definitely didn't, wasn't very happy there, but it paid, paid pretty well. And it helped me having that job allowed me to finish the van as quick as I could Mm -hmm. or have the money to finish the van as quick as I could. That's Um, so interesting. I actually didn't know that because I worked in restaurants and I was extremely unhappy. Dude, I think think (laughs) everyone should have to do a restaurant job once in their life. I think it it completely changes how you treat like people in the service industry. Yeah. No, I could not agree more. Like I can't eat at a restaurant now without like stacking my plates up after and like pushing my chair in. Yeah. No, I always do that. Like all my trash on the top plate and like, yeah, you stack everything. That's so funny. Exactly. Okay. So now you work... Full-time or part-time? I was full-time until I moved to Bend. Now I'm part-time at okay. REI. REI. Yes. Outdoor gear store. Yes. Gear store. What Re- do you say? Recreational Equipment Incorporated. Okay, but what do you call it? Like It's an, an, it's an outdoor adventure store, like camping gear. Yeah, we all know REI. Yeah. Is it international? It's everywhere in the... It's not in every state, but it's all around the U.S. It's not, it's not outside of the U.S. Though. There's not any in Hawaii. There is two in Alaska... Interesting. Okay, so when did you start working for REI? Basically, as soon as I finished the van, and I was like, I, like, I... Your first van. Yeah, when I finished the first van, I was like, I only have had that job because it was funding my van build, but I knew I absolutely hated it. Yeah. Um, So as soon as I finished the van, and I didn't really have, like, I didn't, I mean, the money's always nice, but I didn't need that money like I used to before. So I decided to just do something that I enjoyed more and focus more on my happiness and not so much about, like, making a lot of money. And REI was a company where their, you know, their mission statement, their beliefs aligned with mine, and it's an outdoor store, and that's what I'm most passionate about is spending time outdoors, so it just seemed like a perfect fit. I applied to a bunch of places, but they were the first to get back to me, and they were one of my first choices, so uh, I went for REI, and I've been super stoked working there for sure. 
Okay, so why I think this is important is because a lot of people only see, I mean, social media in general, which is like no one's fault necessarily, yeah. but everyone, it seems, is working remotely full time and has that game figured out. Yeah. And while I kind of, which a lot of people do this as well, live off of savings until you get remote work figured out or like, you know what I mean? You just slowly build up kind of. Yeah. Um, You've had experience working like a location-dependent job. And so remote work and van life do not have to coincide or just like happen at the exact same time. And yeah, I just think people need to know... I guess more about that is would you're working on your remote work though, correct? Yeah, yeah so, I do eventually want to be like full remote work, but what what are you interested in? Photography. Photography is my goal for sure to do full freelance uh, remote photography. And you said that you chose REI because sorry, that was my next thing actually was yeah I I want you to talk more about how because I know you've talked about this before. Yeah. How REI kind of coincided with photography? Do you know where I'm going with this, or I can kind of say it. I mean, I know that there are people who do photos for REI. Yeah. Did that have any influence in your decision to work for them specifically? Yeah, kind of. I mean... I guess you also are a climber. Yeah, yeah. Just the outdoors in general is what attracted me to them. I definitely have thought about doing photo work for REI. However, I'm not sure how much me working for them would, like, help me get my foot in that door, per se. I mean, I I know a couple people who have done shoots for REI, and none of them, like, have worked there. And I actually don't know anyone who has done shoots for REI that worked for the company previously. So it's, it's definitely not like a necessity, but I think it would help me get my foot in the door. I haven't really talked with anyone about doing that or pursued that per se. But yeah, that, that's something I would, that would definitely be down to do in the future. And that's definitely a brand I would like to work with would be to do photo shoots for REI. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Okay. When did you get into photography? Uh, I, did, I got my first camera. My dad gave me an old DSLR when I think I was what a brand? Canon. It was, I don't even remember what it was. It was a... Rebel X something is it's a really really old one. It's like in from the nineties, old Canon. Ooh. Um, it, sh- it was digital, but yeah, it was just a much older camera. But that was like the first actual DSLR I got with like full manual settings and stuff. And that was like sophomore year of high school, I think. And it was just kind of like messing around. I didn't even bring it out that much, but it was just always in the back of my car. But then senior year of high school, I took intro to photography class, photo one two. We started off on film. We had a dark room. What grade did you say? Senior year of high school. Okay. Yeah. So I took you- photography all through high school as well. Yeah. Yeah, I regret not doing it sooner because then I would have been able to take like the next the next class, the right. photo three, four. But I took photography because the teacher was like infamous for writing passes so that you could skip other classes. That's, that's part of the reason why I did it. It was the last quarter of my senior year. I just needed an elective. And then right. like, it was my last class of the day. I only had t- two or three classes senior year and then I yep. would just go home. But then I the fell day. in love. Yeah, exactly. Sounds like you did too. When, so was it then that you kind of wanted to fo- focus more on it as like a career? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the career, doing it for a career hit at that point, but I definitely was like, really enjoyed it and was definitely like growing a passion for it especially like we started off on film and i think seeing the process and with the dark room because we had to develop all of our own photos so did we yeah i think that process is like what really like i don't know that like made me really fall in love with photography photography i think was seeing the process of like developing film and stuff that's the coolest thing i wish it it was easier to like get into dark rooms and stuff i know someone who who develops film in a van he has a dark room set up in his in his van really my my tattoo artist he has a whole developing like all the stuff you need to develop right he says he can do it in a van and stuff like that yeah that's super cool what do you like photographing um i like photographing anything outdoors really but you know landscapes primarily i like doing action shots of like climbing hiking things of that nature 
Is Ella okay? Yeah, Ella's going wild up front right now. I locked her up front because she is like a wet, smelly dog right now. Pearl is being the perfect dog that she always is. Yeah, so what camera do you recommend? I think I'm asking about this a lot because I think a lot of people love photography and like they want to do it or even like for younger kids who their dream is van life in the future and they want to do photography and stuff. I guess on, yeah, so, so for two ends on that, what camera do you recommend to a beginner that they could start with or that's like budget friendly for the highest quality. Yeah. And also, I guess, advice on how to kind of get into it. So for a good camera for a beginner, I know a lot of people start on like Nikon and Canon. I recommend Canon. That's what I started on. After that camera my dad gave me, I got a T4i or T5i. And I think that's like, honestly, the best camera for, for a beginner is one of the Canon T5i, T6i, whatever, whatever iteration they're at right now. I think they just have the most like simple menu, which is like, kind of the most overwhelming part, I think, when you're trying to learn how to shoot full manual. Right. Is like learning the what menu is, and all the buttons. What does full manual mean? So like you're, you're controlling the shutter speed, you're controlling the aperture exposure, all that stuff. Right. On, on the camera as opposed to automatic, it does it all for you. Yeah, I have a friend who got a Sony because it was like the nicest yeah. one and she literally called me like two days later yeah. and I begged her not to get this Sony. I was like, dude, just because I have a Nikon, so yeah. that's what I was just telling her to get. And I was like, it's very easy. I don't know how to do a ton of different settings yeah and so i was like just do this and make it easy and she was like i don't know i'm going back and forth and i was like you're going to regret it calls me two days after getting it and she was like this is the most confusing thing i've ever seen i'm like yeah i'm any dslr is like i kind of a professional camera i guess um on the grand scheme of things but sony's are professional cameras like that's what i shoot with now so that's like and that's why I don't recommend it is because I use it now. And I know like Sony in particular is notorious for having like one of the most confusing menus there is. Uh-huh. So I think it's really important to like, I mean, it's already hard enough learning how to, how to do exposure and how to do aperture and stuff like that without yeah. having to deal with a confusing menu. Yeah. Um, so I recommend getting like a Nikon or a Canon and then just, you know, learning those things first before you have to relearn a super confusing menu, menu screen. Right. So that's why like after getting comfortable with the other stuff, that's when I decided to switch to Sony. And I absolutely like love the Sony's. It's definitely like, yeah. the nicest quality camera I've ever had. And it, the camera itself is far, far better than my skill set is. So it's something I can grow into. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the menus are probably the worst part about them. But you get used to that pretty quick. What was I about to ask before my actual next question? How does one get into making money doing photography? Like, because I think a lot of people like photography, but, and again, I guess more on like even the younger crowd kind of. Yeah. How would they go about starting actually making money doing it? I think a big thing, and I think this goes with like just a lot of different jobs in general is just connections, like Mm -hmm. meeting people in the industry and stuff. The first paid gigs I started doing were for like senior portraits. I mean, a lot of people that are starting photography are either mm. in high school or college. So start with your friends. You know, you have friends that are going to be graduating. You have weddings. Is There's definitely a lot of money in weddings, but that's something I'd probably wait a little little later on for once we're <laughs> comfortable. Because that, that is someone's special day and you do not want to mess that up. But uh, yeah, starting off with like just portraits for friends is what I used to do before I even never got paid. It was just like... A lot of my friends are into like streetwear and fashion and design and stuff. So a lot of it was just me like taking pictures of them modeling and stuff and just doing stuff for my friends for free. And then once I got like comfortable with lighting and posing models and stuff a little more, which I still am not a huge fan of posing models, but that's that's when I started (laughs) doing. Comes with the job. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's when I started doing like 
graduation photos. I did a couple photos for people's like websites and business cards and stuff. Right. So you can kind of have clients and like the way that you're explaining it. I think that's definitely better for people who are beginning. And then also what I was going to ask you after this is like growing into like doing brands and working for like bigger clients who I guess can pay more and be more like consistent. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can photograph like a whole campaign for them or something like that. 100%. And that's something I've been like leaning in towards more this past year. Last year, I was probably making a decent amount more than I am now with photography, but that's because I was doing like graduation photos Mm -hmm. and like portraits and stuff, which which was fun and all. But like that's I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do long term. I wanted to do like outdoor photography, brand photography and stuff. So I, I started taking a lot less of those paid jobs and started doing more more jobs for brands and stuff that might have not been paying as well or sometimes not even paying at all but it was in line with what I was trying to do long term and that's kind of what I've been focusing on this past year is not doing as many portrait shoots and stuff like that but focusing more on like what I want to do long term even if the money's not all there right now I think it's better to just put all my uh, time and attention towards that and right the money will follow yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. What a great philosophy. Yeah. Okay, so who's your biggest dream client, whether it was just a person or a brand? Probably. I mean... Or one of both. Let's yeah. do one of both. I mean, I dream of, like, having a photo on, like, National Geographic. Like, that's, yeah. like, probably... Like the like, cover? Yeah, that'd be, like, one of my biggest goals is, like, doing a shoot for, like, Nat Geo or, or like, just doing brand work for some of my favorite brands, like, like doing, like, a Patagonia or a Prana shoot or something like that, because those are both companies that, like, I really support and stand behind. So I think it'd be really cool to do, like, a shoot for one of those companies as well. Yeah. When you're doing a shoot for one of those companies, is it just, like, you, the photographer, or in, like, they just love a photograph that you take or something like that? Or is it something yeah. like there's a crew that goes out and you photograph a particular scene? That, How does that work? That, that is definitely a thing. I haven't gotten to that level yet. The ones I've done so far, the first couple of shoots I did for brands were photos that I had already taken and just happened to be wearing some of their, one of their products, whether it be like right. pants or if I was using their rope or something for climbing. And I would always, you know, tag those companies in my photos whenever I just post them on Instagram and stuff. So that was the first couple First couple of projects I did, like for a company, it was just me tagging them in a photo I'd already taken and then reaching out to me. Can we use this photo and going from there? Yeah. Since then, I have like had a couple of brands reach out and they would send me the product and I would then go out sometimes by myself if it's uh, I mean, it kind of depends on the product for stuff like if it's a clothing company, I would usually have a model in the clothing doing right. some sort of activity, whether it be climbing or hiking or something like that. But I've done stuff for like Epic Provisions, which is like a food company. And a lot of those was just just strictly product shots. A few of them had models in them. But those I can do by myself for the most part. Yeah. But I think I I personally like having people in almost all my photos, even if it's a landscape photo. I like having a person even in just the corner or something just to give like perspective to the scene. Yeah, no, totally. I also think it like helps. It makes it more personable when like you can see a person in the photo, even if you don't see their face, you can kind of pretend that like you could be there too with them almost it's just like it makes it not so much look like a postcard but more like a scene that you could be in or something yeah no i totally so agree. I, I, I like having people in my yeah photos. i follow a lot of travel accounts and they're they always stand even if it's like so tiny exactly. against these like giant mountains and yeah. stuff it's just so interesting because i like i love photography and i always have i mean i'm just not a photographer i literally just take photos <laughs> of myself but it's like I started doing that because I didn't know anything about photography or like how to make money doing it. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? Screw it. This was the same time social media was like really blowing up and like brands started investing more in marketing on social media and stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm just going to go this route of like yeah. taking photos of myself and my van and my dogs. And yeah, like That's how it started. I mean, I, I didn't start off like I'm going to make money from doing this. It was like strictly because it was something I enjoyed doing. And then I think like the thing that made me want to have photography as like a uh, as a career was um 
not even my love for photography, but my love for traveling. And I, I, I knew like, I just ha- asked myself, I mean, people always ask what they want to do with their lives, but I just knew I wanted to travel. Right. So once I figured out that that's what I wanted to do with my life, the next question was, how am I going to, tra- how am I going to make money while traveling? Mm-hmm. And I already had this love for photography. So like, it was honestly like my passion for traveling that led me to pursue photography for a career. Well, that's it, wasn't, cool. yeah, it wasn't like the other way around. It's like, how can I travel and make money? Oh, I like photography. We'll, we'll pick that. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I find it just really interesting that you, like you wanted to live in the van, you want you knew the van could then help you with photography yeah. to take you to different places. But at the same time, having a stationary job like REI that can support you in the meantime, and like that's really what I kind of also want to drive home is just that like you have a, this passion of photography. A lot of people listening have a passion of one way or the other. You know what I mean? And like you can live in a van and have that give you the means to that passion, like kind of lead you there a little bit, but have something that's location dependent or stationary or quote unquote, like normal nine to five or whatever the case is, because you can still travel on the weekends on days off. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of try and navigate that. Or even if it's part-time so that you just know for a fact you have consistent money coming in. Yeah. Um, I just think it's very important for people to know that that is an option and that you don't need to like, helps a lot to even save up for the van builds, like you said. And yeah. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of, like, stressing out about all these different ways of, like, how you're going to make it work, whether it's before the van or before actually living in it for the van build, and then once you get on the road, what you're going to do, figuring everything out. Like, a lot of people almost use that as an excuse, and that's what I try and, like get into their head is that there's like a thousand different options and it's literally however it's going to work for you if you need a location dependent job for the first year or two and even recently we kind of skipped over this a little bit but christian switched from san diego to bend so you even got to like change locations and katie one of my good friends so we bought a van she's been on the podcast a couple times her boyfriend has done the same thing at olive garden so it's not like one company that does it and he switches every like four months and so i think he's on like his fourth location and that in of itself is some form of traveling yeah i think at rei i can i can transfer like twice a year or something but a, a, a lot of big corporations and big companies allow that to transfer to different locations and stuff so right yeah not just Olive Garden or REI, there's a lot of companies out there that do it. Right. And I know me and you were talking about this the other day, but with after coronavirus and stuff, a lot of interviews are done over webcam now. So even if you're at a job where you can't transfer, if you have a location that you want to move to or you want to travel or live at, you're able to apply for jobs before you fully commit to moving there. You're able to apply for a job, get interviewed and get hired before you even leave the comfort of your last job and stuff all over webcam. Once you get yeah. the job, you're then able to put in your two weeks and move. And it's just a lot, it's a lot easier now than it was before. And I think that's one of the many like silver linings of the coronavirus and this whole pandemic is the fact that you can do that online now. Not, yeah. You don't have to do it in person. Totally. Yeah. And yeah, there's just there are so many different options, which I guess it's important to voice them because I know like myself and you and like my our circle, we're very familiar with all of those options because we've met people on the road yeah. who are doing all of them. And so anybody with not that type of experience is not going to be aware that there are so many that can be applied to someone living on a van. And like, what's funny is that a lot of people living in vans on social media probably do have a stationary job or they're doing something offline that you don't necessarily see. And so you can't just interpret it the way that it appears to be, you know, like they might, you're the, the favorite person that you have in mind that is doing van life or whatever, like could be doing yeah. The same thing. Yeah. Literally could be an employee at REI. And a lot of people that I know that do work remotely, I don't know I don't know about you, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I know that a lot of people that I talk to that work remotely kind of had this point where they had like a big jump or a big leap where they're like just kind of sent it where they went for it. 
Yeah, I love the phrase sente. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people that full I talk send. to... Exactly, full send. But yeah, a lot of people I talk to that work remotely, they kind of had that point in their life where they just full sent it, basically. Yeah. And I'm all for that. But for me, I like to have a little bit of security. So going from my 50 hour a week job as a bar manager to REI was kind of like my way easing into that where I was working a little bit less hours. I was in the industry I wanted to work at and it gave me more time to kind of to kind of get my pieces in place for that jump to a full remote work. Um, right. But, well, and like you're not the only one who likes security. Yeah. And like I, I don't I, I don't really care so much, yeah. honestly, but like a lot of people do. And yeah. like I have my sister is the exact same way. I mean, she wants far more security than even you just like the comfort of knowing that something is coming in and whatnot. Yeah. And so I like you don't even have to be working for like part-time with photography or like even going leaning into remote work at all like you yeah. can indefinitely yeah 100 just yeah. work a stationary I mean, I, job i could do this for as long as i want to where i just transfer from store to store then every time i transfer you have a whole new 100 mile radius to explore on your days off and stuff and you have an added element which is something else i wanted to talk about is you have this added element that a lot of people are always like how do you make friends how aren't you so lonely like because you live in a van alone you must That's be like alone the number one question i know but it's <laughs> it's just funny because when once you're living in the van alone, I realize like, like, I'm just not alone that often. Mm. Like it has, it's just not at all the same thing as like, I'm not alone for months and months at yeah. a time, but people just see you like in photos alone or you know what I mean? Yeah. Like here and there. And so they kind of assume naturally that solo person equals like forever alone no. and lonely. I think I've made more friends my one year living in a van than I had made the uh, previous five years yeah. not living in a van. And like the quality of friends. Yeah. When you meet someone in a van, there's like a almost an instant connection because you guys have a pretty deep thing in common. And that's like that free spirited, like, right, just not wanting to live the conventional life of get a nine to five, get yeah. married, have a house, kids, Well, and you just have like an immediate thing to talk about. Oh, yeah. what kind of van did you have? Oh, why exactly. did you choose it? What'd your build look like? Why'd yeah. you chose it? So it's like, you know what I mean? 20 minutes into conversation, then you're talking about like how you poop on the road and how yeah. you do this. And so it's like you get into things that you like wouldn't talk exactly. about with other people. Much and quicker. so, yeah. But so you have this going along with that, you have this like added thing of having a work environment and like yeah. you actually can build long-term relationships depending on obviously if you like move locations or yeah. whatever. But I think that's interesting. But what's like the number one way, whether it's that or something else, how you kind of built connections um, and how you'd recommend it for others? Yeah, I think a big part of it's just putting yourself out there. I've always been a very like introverted, pretty shy at first uh, kind of person. Yeah. And you definitely um, have come out of your shell like full send yeah exactly. <laughs> like, when i first met christian he was just kind of sitting in his van at moonlight i mean hanging out with yeah. everyone but you were definitely more to yourself yeah and the christian that's like at this van shop me, <laughs> me him and dave are just like bullshitting all day yep. every day yeah i think a big thing with that w was living in a van kind of like it almost like i don't know if this is for everyone but it kind of forced me to be more extroverted it's like yeah if you want to if you want to experience all you can or all that living in a van has to offer you kind of have to put yourself out there and, right. and like you said, I mean, I mean, whether you're in an apartment or you're in a van, it, it can be lonely. It doesn't matter where you're in. Right. Um, and the only way that you're able to not be lonely is by putting yourself out there and meeting people. And I don't know, being in a van just kind of pushed me to do that more. I'm like, when I park, there's vans all around me. And it's just like, it's just begging. It's just begging to go out and talk yeah. to someone and meet new people and stuff. And right. definitely like living in a van definitely made me more extroverted and social, I think. So, yeah. Well, you also like when I was in an apartment, you're not you don't have people just like knocking on your door or like yeah. coming over and being like, Oh, what's your apartment look like? Exactly. No one's doing yeah. that. But like 100%. you open up your van doors and like somebody's walking up and like, Hey, what's your name? And what's I've made this? a lot of friends through that. People just like wanting one of my good friends will like, that's how I met him. Was he just like 
this is a sick band kind of look at it and just like, yeah, right. that would never happen in an apartment or a house or something like that. That's yeah. Good, I've never even thought about that. That's a good point. Though. Yeah. And even at Moonlight, like if I saw you sitting in your van, I mean, uninvited, I would literally just walk up and like sit in yeah. the entry. Yeah, and that, like, that's what Jared, that's how I met Jared. <laughs> and that's how I met all you guys basically was, yeah, just, just sitting in my van, working on my computer and he came up and right. asked to take a look at it. And yeah, I think just, just getting yourself out there, being extroverted, putting yourself out of your comfort zone, not just with meeting people, but just, it just pays off in life, I think, to just be a kind of person to go out of your comfort zone and put yourself out there. Right, which is not easy. And that's, yeah, that's something I talk about a lot is just like, obviously, social anxiety. Hi, my name is Sydney. (laughs) We've built that into our brand on purpose. But it just, yeah, I think that's difficult for a lot of people. But the one thing that helped me with van life is like, being able to tell myself every single day, like, I never have to see this person again. Because when I first started doing van life, I was working at the restaurant. And I was always just so embarrassed of like, I don't know, messing up or doing stuff or whatever. And like that embarrassment or like, thinking that something might happen. You know what I mean? You can't tell yourself that. But yeah. then in van life, it was like every time I walk into a room or anything, I was always like, yeah, I'm never going to see any of these people again. It, yeah. doesn't, it literally doesn't matter what I look like, how I'm dressed. I don't know, anything, Yeah, you, you know? Yeah, you're not like, you're not so concerned with with judgment as much, I don't think. Yeah, like you can literally drive away at any given moment, yeah. any given day. I don't know why, that that helped me. Yeah, definitely, 100%. <laughs> That's my advice, just drive away from everything, <laughs> just escape it all. Okay, actually, the next thing I was going to talk about was mental health. Oh, we yeah. love, we stand mental health. You're getting on TikTok too, so you're going to start talking like oh, heck yeah. TikTok. Oh yeah, we'll have to shout out all your stuff at the end too. <laughs> Okay, so how has your mental health shifted since van life? Because if it hasn't also, I don't ever want people to think they have to, like, give me some elaborate story. It changed significantly, like, in a crazy way. And for me, it's crazy because, like, the day I finished my van, I still had two months left on my lease at my apartment, and I moved out the day I finished. I paid two months of lease without even living in my apartment. Love that. And the second, like, I moved into my van and got all my stuff in, it was, like, one of the biggest weights lifted off my shoulders ever. Just, like... That's how I... Indescribable. Yes. Honestly. Like, the, the sense of freedom I got. And, it, yes. and keep in mind, I, I was still working uh, a stationary job, so I can't even imagine what it's like for people who are able to go full remote, and I'm, I'm still, like, looking forward to that feeling. Right. But just... Even working a stationary job, just the feeling of being out of my apartment and into a van was just, like, an overwhelming sense of freedom. Like, I couldn't stop smiling. Like, it was just, like... Yes. It, 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 I can't explain it, really. I feel like you have to experience it to understand it. But, like... Yeah. It was a really strong feeling for me of just, like, freedom and not feeling, like... Not feeling caged in by four walls anymore. Like, I was on wheels. And I was yeah. mobile now. And I can go well, wherever like, I want to go. Yeah, it's like a physical actual like a tangible feeling of escaping what you were unhappy from you know like you don't typically have that you go from job to job and so even though even if a job makes you much happier than your last one yeah you know, and I'm saying if that's the only thing that changed, yeah. you're still in the same house, your same apartment or whatever. I don't think it's as tangible. Like you sell everything that you don't need. And that alone is like a weight off your shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't have any crap anymore. And then you are, especially like you built your own van. And I mean, I had mine built, but it's like yeah. it, that all is a stressful time anyways, buying oh. the van, building the van. So it's like this just monumental relief of like, all of that is done. Yeah. And I am physically behind the driver's wheel. And I'm it's like, like the moment you've been waiting for. Yes. Kind of, yeah. You're just like driving off to the sunset. I always tell people like, I think that was like the biggest accomplishment, like the most like accomplished I ever felt in my life was like finishing the van. Like, yeah, forget graduating high school, forget <laughs> anything else in the past that I've done. Like 
finishing that van was like for me like such a big milestone in my life and yeah. actually moving into it and that's, stuff that's so true though i begged my parents to not even go to my college graduation <laughs> because i was like they're gonna mail us the actual thing our de- what's it diploma a, but is it a diploma after college or just like a degree paper i didn't graduate college <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't I don't know, know. <laughs> i don't know if it's called diploma your college degree? diploma yeah it's a degree but yeah. it's like is that what the paper's called i don't yeah. know they mail that to you yeah. regardless like at the actual ceremony they just give you the the book yeah. like yeah. it's empty yeah and so I was like, I don't need to go. I was working a lot anyways. But as soon as I drove off in the van by myself, I was like, oh my God. I know, it's life changing. Very different I mean, feeling. Yeah, 100%. So yeah. I think, yeah, that, that feeling of moving into a van for me, as far as like mental health goes, completely like changed my mental health. Just, I've been so much happier since. Not to say I don't have lows. I think, you know, obviously uh, yeah. you're always going to have lows, always going to have issues and stuff. But yeah, th- that to me definitely like improved my mental health and just overall happiness and whenever people ask me like oh i've been thinking about getting a van like i push so many people to do it like i know it's not for everyone and i I always say that ahead of time but like the good thing is with how popular van life is right now it's not hard to sell a van so if you buy a van and you hate it it's not like it's gonna be anything hard to get rid of no you'll likely profit yeah exactly and that's what i do with my first one so it's like people are happy to take a van off your hands so right i always encourage people like just give it a try because i i just I want other people to feel that feeling I had when I like when I was yeah. got into my van and just that overwhelming sense of joy. Like I want other people to experience that. Yeah. So I, I always like push people like please just try it out. Like yeah. If you have any interest, even a little bit in it, like give it a shot. There's you got nothing to lose. Yeah, I totally agree. And I also going back to the college thing. I, I after I said that, I was thinking about the fact that like the van for me was one of the first like really big things as an adult that I was choosing myself for myself. Yeah. Like. I didn't really go to college for myself. Yeah. I, I honestly did it because my parents told me I was supposed to. Most people do. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then, like, all the jobs I had was just because I needed to make, make money. You know yeah. what I mean? And it was, so like, it was the like, first big thing that you did on yeah. your own because you wanted to. Yeah. No yeah. one told me that living in a van was a good idea. Yeah. And, and people probably told you it was not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people just thought I was choosing homelessness. That's a, that's a, a lot of my – that's what I was talking about my last job. My managers, they were asking, like, oh, why don't you live with your parents? Like, you don't have to be homeless. And I was like, that's not what this is. Right. Like, well, like I said, like, I had enough money to stay in my apartment if I chose to, but... Yeah, and some people actually get rather offended, like, just to really drive home this point. Homelessness and what we do is vastly different. We have great privilege in, to be able to do what we're doing. Yeah, 100%. And, like, homeless people have no other option but to be living in the way that they're living yeah. for various circumstances. And so a lot of people think we're actually glamorizing homelessness in some way. It's like the person on your TikTok the other night. Yes. Talking about taking resources from yeah. the homeless community. Yeah. Someone on our TikTok live, I had Christian on, and they asked if we, like, felt guilty for taking resources from homeless people. And I want to be very clear that like we don't take any resources Resources. that homeless people would need like we would never go to a shelter or like a soup kitchen (laughs) or like take free things that are meant for homeless people like we both i mean that's why he has the job at rei that's why i work full-time like we want to pay for ourselves and we want to make that very clear i have had someone try to give me money before I had a guy, this is actually just a funny story. I don't think I've ever told this on the podcast before. I had just uh, crashed into the hotel. That's yeah. like episode two or three, if you want to go back. And so my van was getting worked on. I was staying at a hotel until it was going to be fixed. And Henry was staying with me at the hotel. Yeah. And 
I walked to, I was going to Starbucks every morning. It was like the only 15 minutes that him and I had apart during the day because we were just like sitting and rotting watching TV, which is yeah. honestly pretty fun. <laughs> but I was on my daily walk to Starbucks to get us both drinks. And this guy pulled over and I looked rough. I mean, <laughs> I'm willing to admit that on most days in the morning before I do anything and during that particular time in general, I'm not looking like no supermodel walking down the road. (laughs) And so he pulled over this random guy and he was like, here, honey, you look like you need it. And I looked over and I was like, oh no, it's fine. He was like, no, you like you something like you look like you need it again. Or he said something like that. And I looked closer and it was a $100 bill. And I have never snatched cash (laughs) so quickly because I was like, first of all, I turned it down and he offered it again. And it, who's turning down a hundred dollars? That's crazy. I ran back to the hotel and I was like screaming to Henry. I called my parents, my sister, <laughs> my friends. I was just like, "Well, you, I mean, you were going through a rough time, so like, maybe right. maybe he could send. Maybe maybe it wasn't the fact that you looked homeless. Maybe he was more yeah. saying like, this girr looks like she's had a rough week.' Yeah, and you had had a rough week. You, I mean, you crashed into a hotel. So true. But I wasn't like crying or anything. Like you just looked I, rough. I, right. I just I walked away thinking that was insulting. <laughs> But I just profited $100 by getting Starbucks. So I'm not complaining. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take $100 anytime. Okay, any last advice that you would give someone? I know that we've this whole thing has kind of been a lot of advice, which is phenomenal. And I love that. And I love that you're open to do stuff like that as well. Oh, we didn't really talk about the fact that you're, uh, sorry, random, that you are as like young as you are. I mean, I'm pretty young to be in this yeah. as well. But a lot of people that we've met on the road is like 30 plus. Yeah. I so, think the only pe- I've only met two other man lifers that are my age, I think. But yeah, twenty. I'm I'm 22, and then that kind of surprised me too. I, I always like, I mean, from social media, I feel like it seems like it's a lot more younger people, but right. it's really quite quite a diverse community for the most part. Yeah, and you've been on the road for a while, and yeah. I get a lot of messages from people being like, "I'm 16 years old. I don't really want to go to college, but my parents want me to." And yeah, I always just emphasize to them: first of all, you can do this at 18, as yeah. like graduate high school, please. Yeah. Truly, don't just like get a driver's license yeah. and peace out. 100. <laughs> graduate high school but college is not going anywhere that's that's my thing is a lot of people don't even know what they want to do and they go to college like kind of like you were saying because you're like it's what their parents want them to do it's it's what everyone tells you your whole life growing up as you go to college but college isn't going anywhere and if you have no idea what you want to do and you just want to and you just want to travel you can always go back to college you can always go to college at 20 there's no age limit that you have to finish college by right and i just think traveling will teach you in some regard like what you do want to yeah. do. Yeah, what you're passionate about. Yeah. yeah, I think back, I was just telling my sister this yesterday, I, I think back to me being 18, like I said, I'm 25 now. So seven years ago, to be, to go from like living with my parents, making no choices for myself, yeah. to then have to choose what I want to do for the rest of my life and basically be given a quarter of a million dollars yeah. to do that. That I then had, well, to be clear, I wasn't given a single dollar, <laughs> but I mean like by a company so that I could pay back like 10 million. Yeah. You know what I mean? These are bigger numbers. <laughs> I'm being dramatic, but it was so much money. And it's yeah. like, I should have never had control over that. I should have never gone to a company who then gives me a ton of money essentially to go make a decision for my life that I had no business making. Yeah, and a lot of people will will pick a major or, you know, spend all this time and a lot of money at college. Yeah. And then when they finish, they realize it's not what they want to do. And then you're, where are you sitting at? You're just in debt. Yeah, you're not even at square one. Yeah, like you, you, you're starting backwards. You're in the so. negatives. 100%. So yeah, I think, I mean, if you do know what you want to do and it does require college, then yeah, go, go to college, obviously. Yeah, that's but an like, important thing to say. Yeah, I <laughs> like, mean, I knew I wanted to be a photographer and while I could have gone to school for photography and while it probably would have helped me, I knew it wasn't necessary. Right. And I knew school was like, 
I was never a school person. I mean, I love learning, but, uh, you know, everyone has different learning styles and teachers have different teaching styles and those don't always align. And yeah, I was never, I was never super happy at school. So, I mean, and like you said, college will always be there. So if I want to go back to college, whether it be for photography or something else, I always can. Right. But I thought, I know if I, if I really dislike school this much, why not try to do photography without school? And so far it's been pretty good. I think the biggest thing that college offers is, is connections. Yeah, that's what you and I were just talking about that the other night. Like, I think I got a lot out of college. I don't think I walked away with absolutely nothing learned. I think I learned a tremendous amount of like life. And the number one thing that I really got was networking and connections and especially going to an art school. I now know like these phenomenal artistic creatives that live all over the country. And I think that that's highly beneficial. And it's definitely worth paying money. I get that. But I, what I'm saying, yeah, is that at 25, I could be making that decision to go to college now yeah. for something that as an adult, I know I love and I will probably be using for the rest of my life. Whereas at 18 years old, I had never done anything but soccer track <laughs> and get good grades. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, I, I just think it's kind of a silly idea that we, you just force a kid right out of high school to do that when like colleges will for sure exist in 10 years. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah. I mean, not a, I don't know a lot of people who know what they want to do the rest of their life out of college. So it really, it just puts me at a loss for words almost that that's just the normal thing to just go straight into college after high school. It kind of just yeah. blows my mind. But that's and just take a social breath. norm. Yeah, that's just... That's Live just, in a van. Yeah. <laughs> do you. Travel. Okay, I think that's pretty much everything I feel like for advice. I mean, what else can we tell you? Just have a stationary job. Do what works for you. Yeah. Do it at any age. And that this goes the opposite as well. We can talk about being young. You can be 60, 70 years old and also living in vans. That's it's, a big part of it, too. I mean, I've yeah. talked to a lot of people who are like, oh, like, I, I wish I could do that now. I mean, it's just too late for me. And it's it, like, I don't, I, I'm one of the people that believes it is never like too late to go back and do what you want to do. It doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, right. a lot of really successful businessmen that we, names that we're all familiar with, they didn't decide to do that till much later on in life. So. Right, for sure. And I don't think a lot of people know because they just don't, they're like either retired or they have a different plan, but like there's so many people that are older on the road, Oh yeah. but like they just don't care about an Instagram. So like yeah, you don't no, see yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. But there's so many people, 50s, 60s, 70s that are like cruising on the road, 100%. like in a built out van. Like it doesn't even have to be a big RV. Like you could literally be doing an econ yeah. line. Yeah. Whatever's comfortable for you. Love that. Okay. So what's your favorite book? This is our last question of the day. Give us a good one. I told you this yesterday, so you had to come up with a good one. I'm thinking probably Food of the Gods by Terrence McKenna. I've never heard of any books that anyone ever recommends. <laughs> okay, tell me now. Uh, I heard about it on Joe Rogan's podcast. Okay. And I want to read it, but it's basically about the the correlation between plants, drugs, spirituality, and the evolution of humanity, and how <laughs> this how, is where Christian gets real. Our my hippie Christian. How those how those things have influenced humanity to where they are now. So yeah, it's very okay. interesting. T- touches a lot on like spirituality and human evolution and stuff and okay where we started and where we've come and yeah it's a quite the interesting book i'm still i'm still reading it right now so I-, I could change my opinion on it but it's yeah one of the best books i've read in a long time and i'm okay. not a big reader i'm a big audiobook guy though yeah i am currently reading i don't know if i've done a podcast since reading this but i'm reading the game of thrones series have, did you ever watch the tv show yeah i've watched the whole series so like, now you're going back and reading it yes and 
I recommend opinions. I recommend the TV show. I'm <laughs> or, just, or just only just, like don't even touch the book. It is. I don't know if my intellectual abilities have gone down, but it's a difficult read. Like yeah. that's something I'd want to do an audiobook for. I think. Yeah, like I. It's not that it's like big words, but it's written like in that time that's, period. That's what I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's like you know how reading the Bible sometimes you're like, well, I don't have. Have you read the Bible? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. For, I know. for about sixteen years of my life. Oh. Okay. Could have touched on that. No. But like any old scripture of any yeah, kind. Yeah, like King James Version where it's all like, just like, it's just, not yeah, like you said, not big words, it's just like a different... Different style of talking. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I'm like reading it and I'm just like, the sentences are structured, di- whatever. Anyways, if you're interested in Game of Thrones, highly recommend the TV show. Great show. <laughs> Great show. If you're into like really difficult books, go for it. I'm going to get so many emails from people being like, that was one of the easier books I've ever read. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Anything else? Anything you want to add? No. No? Thank you for having me on your podcast. This of course. Fun. Okay, so where can everyone find you? Instagram mainly, Henkel Photography, H-E-N-K-E-L, period, photography. I am on Facebook. I don't use it too much. Sydney is trying to convince me to get a TikTok, so you might find me on TikTok soon. He's doing a van build. I mean, that is prime content. I'm posting van build videos on YouTube right now. Haven't oh. been, yeah, haven't been super on top of it, but my YouTube should just be uh, Christian Henkel, H-E-N-K-E-L. Okay. But yeah, that's the only thing I'm on right now, I think. Instagram is like the Instagram number one. Instagram is my number one, yeah. That's, yeah. Where, that's where you can usually find me. And I'll tag him um, all over My Solo Road specifically. Thank you. So people can find you easily. Love that. Okay. Well, I hope everyone's having a wonderful day. I hope that by the time we get out of this van, potentially the skies are blue and birds are singing. Fingers you know, crossed. that was actually pretty sad. Did you ever see the birds? Like... When I was driving to Bend, they weren't, like, falling out of the sky like I read some people saying, which I'm sure they were in other places, which yeah. is devastating. I never even thought about that, the birds. Yeah, I mean, they just have nowhere to go. But yeah. when I was driving here, they were, like, flying, like, three feet above the ground. Just because of the smoke? Yeah, because they're probably dying in the sky. Yeah, I can't even think about, not only all, like, obviously all the people that were displaced, but all the animals, too, that lost their homes. Just... Yeah. It's a sad situation. Yeah, sure. not fun. 2020, not everybody's year so far. Also been a great year, but also terrible. A lot of silver linings. And I'm yeah. hoping the silver lining to this fire would be people wake up to climate change. Uh, That's my you, you can <laughs> You can hope. My God. Okay. Love you all so much. Bye. Bye.